the parallel structure with the midnights and the afternoons. There's mm -hmm. an echo going on there as well of the plural nouns within yes. the same semantic group. So <laughs> oh, I'd say oh that... you're really ruining it. Good, this is good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Tefl Commute, Season 15, Episode 5. Hi, everyone. Hi, Bye. Hey, welcome back. Welcome back. Um, welcome to our listeners, too. This is the TEFL Commute, a podcast for language teachers that's not about language teaching, but the topic always comes up. Um, there are several of us hosting the episode today. Uh, my name is Lindsay, and I'm joined by... I'm Sandy. And I'm Kerry. And uh, in each episode of the Tefl Commute, we've been going now for 15 seasons. Um, in our latest episodes, what we each do is we each bring something to our commute to talk about during this, uh, this episode of the commute. So we kind of do a round table where each person brings something uh, to the table that could be related to language teaching, to language, to teaching, or sometimes we kind of manage to squeeze something else in entirely that isn't related to any of those, and we just make it work. Um, so, Carrie, why don't you start us uh, today? What, what have you brought to our commute? Okay, so I think that mine fits into your third category there, because what I've brought to the commute is procrastination. Ooh, and, okay. Uh, okay, so there's various reasons. One was that I really did not know what to bring to the commute at all. <laughs> and I realized that I had been heavily procrastinating. Um, but then, luckily, my algorithm, for some reason or other, I wonder why, uh -huh. was throwing up loads of stories on procrastination on my social media feed. And uh, so that, that, and I was looking at them, though, but they all had one thing in common, which was it was the benefits of procrastination. So, the benefits. Okay, yeah. do, do yeah. tell. <laughs> okay, so, I mean, like, we all think of it necessarily as being negative. No, you know, that's the first connotation. It's a bad thing to be. You shouldn't procrastinate, etc. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. um, so, so there's obviously the, you know, those kind of articles that make you feel better about yourself, like people with messy rooms and <laughs> more intelligent. Room, exactly. Yeah, yes. Yeah, okay. they, the, all the geniuses who, who sleep in late or go to bed or have terrible or, sleep or, habits as well. Or yeah. swear a lot or, you know, all of those <laughs> yes. things. Alcohol. It's all geniuses. So there, there are procrastinating geniuses as well. Um, but uh, this is more to do with like, okay, so there's this kind of, I'd say, three main things that have come up over and over about being a benefit. Um, one, it's, it's kind of linked to this creativity thing that actually you're not procrastinating. What it is you're doing, you're putting something on the back burner and you're going away and doing something else and that subconsciously you're working away on whatever task it is that you're avoiding. So it's not task avoidance necessarily, it's kind of task preparation, but subconsciously. So that doesn't really count as procrastination, I don't okay. think. But okay. then there's no. the, yeah, then there's <laughs> the just in, just in time kind of, you know, last minute 
thing, which is that the um, this theory that the less time you have to make a decision, the better the decision will be. Uh, this comes kind of from the world of finance, uh, okay. I think, and like you know, <laughs> and, and, and they have a yeah, wonderful quite. track record they, yes, of um, yes. <laughs> of that always working out. All right, quite, quite. <laughs> but the one that I liked and the one that struck a chord with me was the one about sometimes if you don't do something or tackle something maybe like a problem or whatever it just goes away so procrastinating <laughs> is like this wonderful art of not wasting your time you, because yeah you're you, you, waiting it out you're waiting out the inevitable <laughs> exactly exactly so i was thinking about this kind of in teaching it's a little bit like the um i don't know like an extreme extreme one would be i haven't planned the lesson Okay. at all <clears throat> and my students don't turn up <laughs> what's that, that like you know yeah solved. that's true <laughs> problem solved or oh, it comes up more i think in management where it's to do with scheduling and timetabling and cover and that kind of thing and that maybe you might spend hours and hours and hours preparing some contingency plan and then you don't need to use it okay fine that's good that will con that's what contingency plans are for but on the other hand you might go do you know what i'm going to leave this until next week and then you do leave it and then suddenly oh look everything just fell into place and it sorted itself out so that's kind of like a you know i i can see um i can see the benefits there of procrastination so the other one is the last one is the what all, all, all we of call these all of, that last one, though, just before you go into the last one, yeah. that would be an excuse I would never accept from my children. Although I would just like sort of no, your bed. Yes, my children. It's like if I just wait long enough, someone else makes the bed. Mm. <laughs> like, well, just, absolutely, <laughs> someone else will do it for you. But it's more like I think like, you know, sort of this was something that we were um, discussing before we started recording as well. Was that okay. thing of sometimes um, in writing, you start on a project but the plug gets pulled on it and there's two ways that it can go mm -hmm. so recently it's happened to me with two projects one i had actually been putting off because i had something else to finish and then the then when the plug was pulled it was like oh thank goodness i hadn't done any work on that so i didn't waste any time and the other was the opposite that i had said right i'm going to get this out of the way i'm going to be like i'm going to be do you know what the opposite of a procrastinator is apparently uh, a procrastinator oh. oh that's an ugly so, word so isn't wait it? a second so, so a procrastinator does what exactly then does things way too early oh uh. not too early could but be good, you know, so, but the deadline. exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I procrastinated, finished all the work and then was told, no, I'm sorry, we're not going ahead with the project. So, oh, no. <laughs> so, yeah. um, but so there's, there's, you know, the two sides to that one. So maybe if I, I should have procrastinated rather than Precrastinating. Well, Precrastinating pre sounds to me just like a synonym for work. <laughs> yes, I think, I think it's just like just scheduling time yeah, yeah. well, you know. Yeah. yeah. Okay, the last one I promise this is this is we have a name for it in my family, which is the last minute jonesing. Oh, right. And okay. <laughs> last is, minute jonesing. I love it. This is more to do with travel than anything else, you know? So. I, like you know we we can be like super organized in some areas of our lives and not in others and like these procrastination articles that i've been reading one of them was you know sort of in your social life maybe you procrastinate but you don't in work so you might be the last person to leave when you have to go out to meet friends or whatever because you know you, you you've left it too late or you were still in the shower or whatever that is and the traveling one is <clears throat> 
leaving it till the very, very last minute uh, to get your train, for example, and then you get there and the luck of the Joneses is it's been delayed by half an hour. Oh, so that, oh, oh that, and that's just, oh, but that's the worst. That, that That's the kind of person where I'm like, tra if I was traveling with someone like that, I'm like, I hope the train's gone so you learn the lesson. Exactly. And then the train's delayed and I'm just like, so we're going to go through this all over again next time, just inevitably. And I would so just clarify it. for anyone listening that Kerry's saying the luck of the Jones Joneses because she is Kerry Jones. Yes, <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Sandy. Yes, exactly. Oh, yes. Oh, I would just I would just be dying inside if that was happening. Well, I'd be relieved because we didn't miss the train. Exactly. I know. So, the, you know, of course, the thing is that as a Jones, you, tell, you, you choose to forget the times when you did miss the train and right. you remember the times when you got there and the train was delayed and everything was fine. Positivity bias. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> totally. Exactly. So that's me on procrastination. On procrastination. Well, I, I, I have brought my one, but now I want to think about it a little bit more. So I'm going to procrastinate by, by putting us a little break here, an advertisement or something. And we're back. Right. So we had uh, Carrie talking about procrastinating, procrastinating, and uh, how stressful it might be to travel with members of her family. But um, I'm going to change. I'm going to. I've got brought something as well, which I'm going to change the topic completely from something that could be a, talked about for teaching and learning, I guess. And this is more about language, but it's very much about English language teaching. And I, I caught uh, sight of this, I can't remember where, on online somewhere. Uh, I don't know if it was in like uh, a blog post or something or, or an advertisement, but it was called, um, there's a new museum that has just opened. This was in November, 2022, so last month. Uh, uh, a museum that opened, um, called the M-O-W-E, like the Moe, I guess like the, whatever, the the MoMA in New York, and the, but the, the Moe is in Tokyo, and it's a pop-up museum, which I guess is like, a, I guess that's sort of like, it's like a cheap museum, I don't know what that means, like a pop-up. Pop-up means it's only there temporarily, it's yeah. not a permanent yeah. museum, it's only there briefly. When I said cheap, I, I think I meant sort of like it's not a huge building or anything, but mm. it's an exhibit that they've, they've kind of, like, they've, they've thrown up there temporarily. And the Moe Museum is the Museum of Wonky English. So oh, it's the light on the art of mistranslations. <laughs> now, I, I have to confess i always have like enjoyed some of those very flowery translations of of well usually it's it's stuff coming from japan or china or wherever um but i started feeling a bit weird about it um as i was reading this article and i, I just want to I, I wanted to run by by both of you and see because i remember when i started teaching there was there was a website called english I don't know if any of you saw that mm -hmm. English, which was all collections of these signs and like like funny signs and sort of things in usually in Japan, maybe in China, but I, I think it was mostly in Japan. And I remember I, I never I, I always thought it was interesting. I never really saw how I could do it exactly with my students. Um, but then there was always a, another part of me that was sort of like, hmm, feeling a little bit uncomfortable about laughing all at this website because the website sort of had 
I'm sort of like, hmm, am I laughing just at the translation or is it all just because it's Asian English and I'm laughing at their bad English? And, and so I wonder if this doesn't sort of fall into that as well. Because then I started reading some other articles and people who were very offended by this, who said, you know, this is just making fun of people's mistakes and more importantly, making fun, it's usually of of Asian Asian speakers of English. And it's like with the accent and everything else. And this is this museum is in Japan this and is focusing in Japan on, on like mistranslation. Japanese, Japanese this, mistranslations or the best examples of wonky English found all over Japan. Now, mm. so already I'm sort of like, hmm, okay. And then you want to think about who's behind this museum. Yeah. Okay. Like yeah, yeah, so who's yeah. behind this museum? Okay, so I'll read you the thing. Learning a foreign language is not easy, which is why Duolingo has always <sighs> celebrated its learners' mistakes as valuable stepping stones to acquiring yeah. knowledge. In an effort to create brand awareness, feeling a bit more icky about this museum <laughs> every <Yeah>. time I <laughs> read it now, Ultra Super New Tokyo and the language learning app have launched the Museum of Wonky English, the first institution in Japan to shed light on the art of mistranslations. So one, I'm not sure how much light it's shedding on the art of mistranslations. Maybe I'll give it the benefit of the doubt. Maybe it is very in-depth. It sounds a <laughs> bit more like to me, mm, I don't know, another like the cheap laughs or whatever. Um, they say also the whole, sounds just like an advertisement. It's like well, it does yeah, very much. You know, it gets it gets even more like that, uh, which also I think is ironic. But I'll come to that in a moment. They say the hope is that when visitors look at the signs, menus, clothes, and other objects exhibited in the museum, so these are obviously going to be like the t-shirt, the Hello Kitty t-shirts with like a weird thing written on them, maybe. Mm -hmm. Objects that can make them chuckle, gasp, think, and reflect. They will notice there's more depth to wonky English than they initially thought. Okay, and okay. become <laughs> more, yeah, and become more emboldened to learn a foreign language. All right, now here we there now we're getting the Duolingo link. Um, so yes, yeah, so they the, uh, the supporting the campaign is a film that invites people to visit museum and participate in a social activation to share the humorous and interesting mistranslations they come across in daily life on Duolingo's Twitter channel. So. Uh, that not sounds sure. to me like we're not inviting people to learn a foreign language. We're invite, inviting them to yeah. be mocked. Or yes, I know. Sort of like, let's all have a yeah. laugh at at these bad translations. And I'm yes. so, yeah, sort of feels a bit weird. They do try to claw it back. So the director says, the beauty of wonky English translations is entirely lost on those who don't have a good enough command of the English language, which is true. So which is makes me wonder, so who is the audience? Who is the attended audience, whatever? And then they say, um, giving a taste, uh, giving all these people a taste of how wonderful these mistranslations can be, we're hoping that they'll give Duolingo a try to be able to quickly appreciate them by themselves too. So Ooh. I feel like that's a tenuous link. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. do think it is a bit. I, I sort of had to read that. I'm even just as it came out of my mouth, I was sort of trying to read those words again. Um, by giving you a taste of how wonderful these mistranslations can be, we're hoping that you'll give Duolingo a try to be able to quickly appreciate them by yourselves too. Yeah, I don't get that thing. That, <laughs> no. that, that's not a link that makes sense to me. It doesn't, it doesn't really make sense to me either. But what I even find more ironic about this is that historically, Duolingo had often been mocked uh -huh. for its yeah. very weird choice of sentences. And I remember yeah. like there was a, a wonderful website called WTF Duolingo, where because a lot of these sentences 
I don't know if they were written by people, but some were maybe generated. I'm assuming some may have been generated. They would come up with these weird sentences they ask you to translate. I can't remember what they were exactly. I have and, definitely translated sentences along the lines of the penguin has no breath. Yes, yes. that like, kind yeah. of a thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And uh, finally, like Duolingo, I remember, you know, wanting even in, um, I think it was in our, in the TEFL commute in the algorithm, a piece that we used to have here, uh, where we would take sentences from online. I remember w wanting to use more Duolingo ones until we suddenly saw that Duolingo had realized that people were making fun of them and they leaned into it. They were like, mm. this is the beauty mm. of translations. But what's happened here is they're not doing this in their museum. They're not using like weird Duolingo yeah, sentences. Which is, now which you're is making fun of the learner again for their yeah. mistranslations. That's a shame because if the, if the wonky English had been the weird and wonderful yes. sentences that were in Duolingo, that were in Duolingo or that were in historically in Latin translation books, like that would be a different thing. But this yeah. seems to me. I think it's another thing about this these wonky translation things and laughing at that is in a way it feels like you're punching down you know that mm. rather than punching yes. up in humor yeah. wise you know so it's sort of even though some of them are very flowery and some of them are very very funny um i just i i feel more uncomfortable think, and even more about this whole thing i think it i think that you can take these wonky english translations as an insight into other people's culture if you yeah. pick the correct translation yeah but the it makes me think that that's not how it's being approached it's being approached as here's a thing to laugh at so yeah. we would like you to take photos of these and share it on your social media and probably somewhere in the photo will be the geolingo logo which oh yeah no doubt is, yeah um, compounds me in my feelings <laughs> i understand geolingo and it makes me really frustrated that it's the language app but for me the one benefit of duolingo is it's made people want to learn languages but i just sincerely wished there was a better quality app that had made people want to do that because there's yeah. so many other better quality apps that can do it but yeah. duolingo is the one that's taken off and i don't understand why <laughs> because yes. however many times i've tried it those sentences specifically those sentences is one of the things that's made me quit because i've been so frustrated at the wonky english on duolingo again and again i think i've tried it three separate times with multiple different languages and it's the wonky english that's made me go nope i can't deal with this i need to stop <laughs> i think maybe we're just more critical of that mm. that we want the language to have meaning <laughs> and, it's like, yeah. and, and there's obviously a lot of people out there who don't mind about that that it doesn't matter yeah. that that like you know they i'm never going to say that sentence in real life doesn't matter it's helping me you know keep my streak and yeah, uh, yeah. win duolingo or whatever yeah. <laughs> so another, another another quote i just saw here which was interesting for us as language teachers uh, again from the people the creative director of this museum says why do mistakes have such a bad rap okay so so far mm -hmm. so good they're the unsung here language learning heroes also good and we wanted this campaign to settle the scores okay so there's a, and then they say there's a treasure trove of meanings you can only access when lost in translation okay but so you have to have both languages down pretty uh, well was, to access those I'm, I'm i was gonna say that it was gonna earlier on it was you know sort of only what was it something like you know proficient users of English will get the joke yeah. or whatever. But I was yeah. thinking, actually, if they'd said only proficient users of Japanese are going to get the That's true. joke, it would but, make it, it would, you know, balance it slightly 
but, the, I mean, then, but, the, but, but even by saying, why do mistakes have such a bad rep? The unsung language learning heroes. So why are we calling the museum wonky English? <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, is it sort of yeah. like a bit, bit, bit again, uh, you're kind well, of the, the playing other, two the sides of the coin yeah, here. Is if, it, if this museum is in Japan, yeah. it sounds like it's directed at tourists visiting Japan rather than Japanese locals. Because that's the question is, how is mm, that translated into yes. Japanese? Yes, like, exactly. Is, if it was it, a collection of people who had bad tattoos in Japanese that didn't say what they thought they said, yeah. you know, like of, 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 of Europeans or Americans with Japanese tattoos that mm. say, you know, the joke is always like, yeah, oh, yeah. that doesn't mean hero or that means like, where's the bathroom or vegetarian, yeah. then that would be one thing for Japanese people sort of like, haha. But um, this, yes, I wonder who the audience is. Yeah. That's very bizarre. But then, well, no, okay, no, it's fine because if the audience is people who are visiting Japan, are they use is it selling them Duolingo to help them with Japanese at that May, point? Is that is that the point? I mean, you know, well, no, because they said they want you to understand the wonky translation. So, do they yeah, want you to understand so, the original Japanese and be able it, to? Well, if you were an English speaker visiting the 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 Moe then yes, maybe they would want you to understand this is why this translation came out this way. I, it sounds like they don't really know. <laughs> no. uh, or, or, they, or they don't really care. Is there, like, there's not much coherence, is there? To, no, <laughs> no. And, and, and basically, they just want you know, their logo up on social media and and that's enough, really. And you know, it's kidding. we've helped promote well, them as well. <laughs> there we go. Damn. Damn. All right. <laughs> on that thing, let's take another quick break. Hey, everyone. Producer James here to say thanks for listening and just to let you know that if you want to say thanks to us for all the episodes that we've given you for free, we'd be really grateful. We love making the show. It will always be free to you. But there are some costs involved. So if you'd like to help out, go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash Tuffle Commute and buy us a coffee. I'm more of a tea man myself, but I'll still appreciate it. Okay, back to the show. Okay, so from uh, procrastinating to wonky translations and uh, the dubious politics of this pop-up museum, um, Let's let's hear from you, Sandy. What what are you going to close off our episode with? So I'm going to talk about ChatGPT, which um, was only launched 12 days ago as we record this. So it was launched okay. on November the 30th, 2022. All right. Tell us okay. all what chat. Well, we know what it is, but tell everybody who's <laughs> listening what 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 this is. Well, it's basically it appears to have taken the world by storm. Um, it's um. So Wikipedia describes it as a prototype artificial intelligence chatbot developed by OpenAI that specializes in dialogue. So um, OpenAI is um, a company that's trying to build artificial intelligence um, and particularly language-based artificial intelligence. Um, it was founded by Sam Altman and Elon Musk and various other people. Um, and it's, it's kind of a competitor to Google's DeepMind. Um, okay. So it's, it's this kind of level of investment. It got a $1 billion investment from Microsoft three years ago, for okay. example. So it's, it's a huge, it's got a huge amount of investment behind it. Um, what ChatPG, sorry, what ChatGPT is designed to do um, is it's designed to be able to have conversations with you 
but to be able to remember previous prompts, which which chatbots often can't do. So it can remember what's happened previously in the conversation. So as you give it feedback, it can refine its answers. That's one of the things that it can do. Um, Another thing that it can do is you can put in some kind of prompt and it can produce a text for you. So I'm going to give you an example that Scott Thornbury tweeted a couple of days ago. So the prompt that Scott put in was write a positive review of Scott Thornbury's forthcoming (laughs) book on the applications of artificial intelligence in language teaching and learning. And this is the text that ChatGPT produced. So I recently had the pleasure of previewing Scott Thornbury's upcoming book on the applications of artificial intelligence in language teaching and learning. I can honestly say that it is an absolute must read for anyone interested in the topic. The book is comprehensive yet concise and provides an informative overview of AI's role in language teaching and learning. Throughout, Thornbury provides engaging examples, thoughtful insights and clear directions for practitioners and learners. His writing style is accessible and jargon free, making the book a pleasure to read. I am confident that the book will be invaluable for both language teachers and learners and I highly recommend it. It's pretty good. You notice it's not a single mistake. It's coherent, it's logical, and it follows yeah. on. There is no Scott Thornbury book about AI. In <laughs> yes, exactly. It's also completely based on like yes. f- f- false false information. False but information. It's very- exactly. well, it's, it's quite interesting, actually, just listening to you reading it out. And I haven't done a like a comparison of the two, but um, Tyson Seaburn did the same yeah. thing. Yeah, and and it's very very similar. It's exactly. like the structure is very similar. Yeah. The things the bot is saying is like exactly. these vague like there's they're, they're so wonderfully yes. open it could be about any book at all exactly uh, mm-hmm. and it's just able to plug in that information to make it seem logical yeah so this is this is the thing about ChatGPT. so it's it's used um human trainers to help to improve its um training uh, but it's also um it uses the feedback that it gets from users to constantly improve Okay. And the um, like reviews have said that the the kind of language that it produces impressively detailed human-like text, but the problem is that a lot sometimes the facts aren't uh, genuine. <laughs> so it's producing information that isn't necessarily factually correct. Right. Um, but this so on the flip side, there've been there've been lots of discussions already. It's only been out for twelve days. There've been lots of discussions about education. So, for example, again, I'm looking at the Wikipedia page for ChatGPT. They're mentioning um, Daniel Herman, who's a California high school teacher and author, and who said that ChatGPT will usher in the end of high school English. So there's the idea that learners, or was it the end of high school English essays, right? Or was yeah. it high school but, English altogether? I don't know. I haven't read the, the the deeper one there, but the idea that learners will be able to put in prompts and get a text back, but that's not even the most worrying thing for us as English language teachers. If you put in the right prompt, it can be better than something like Google Translate at producing a believable text produced by a foreign language learner. So, for example, this example came from my boyfriend, from Paul. Um, He said, the scary thing is that you can say things to it like, imagine that you are an advanced but imperfect speaker of English. Imagine that your native language is French. Answer the following questions to a high standard, but include a couple of reasonable, deliberate mistakes. 
Ooh. Oh, wow. You can actually okay. tell it the kind of speaker that it's supposed to be. You can get it to edit answers. So, for example, you can ask it. I've, I've seen examples of teachers using it where they're saying, uh, for example, give me eight facts about the EU. Okay, now give me eight facts about the EU explained to an eight-year-old. And it will be at the right level, but the facts won't necessarily be correct. (laughs) Give me eight facts about the EU for a diehard Brexiter. (laughs) (laughs) So like another thing that, that my boyfriend and his friends have been playing around with is just asking it to give them facts. So they asked it to give them facts about quails. For okay. example, and um, they said, you know, the emphasis should be on entertainment. So, for example, it gave them a fact like um, the quail likes to bathe in its own blood. Oh, oh my god. god! For example, oh my so god! It can come out with completely crazy things. You know, we we got it to create a story the other day. We were playing wingspan with our friends, um, at, genuinely in real life, and uh, one of our friends was using a card which was a Canada goose, and this basically made him win the game and absolutely, you know, get twice as many points as the rest of us. So uh, Paul put as a prompt into ChatGPT, um, talk about our four names, playing wingspan, um, and a crazy ending featuring a Canada goose with an ending that you wouldn't expect. And it starts off with all of us playing a game, and then the Canada goose comes into the room and starts uh, killing us left, right, and centre. And it's Does, a very believable story, and it's very disturbing. It's very it seems to have like a propensity for violence. Then. Yeah, I was going to say, but it's just, do you think then if it's constantly learning? Mm-hmm. So f- first of all, I take constantly learning and then i start worrying because i remember that last time the mm. microsoft chatbot was constantly learning yeah. and within like hours days it Became was like starting really to do anti-semitic and, and yeah. racist yeah. and holocaust and i and then i and then i add to it that elon musk is, mm-hmm. <laughs> is backing. That's, that's something that they've actually addressed already so they said in an effort to prevent offensive outputs from being presented to and produced from it Queries are filtered through a moderation API and potentially racist or sexist prompts are dismissed. Mm. So they're okay. already trying to address some of those things. That although doesn't the, although, mean that it will be. Although the Canada old. goose was allowed to come in <laughs> yeah. and perform a massacre. I mean, yeah, like, you exactly. know, as a Canadian, Lindsay, I think you should be able <laughs> to. Yeah, lost for words. Um, yeah, quite. Wow. <laughs> no, I've also played with it a little bit. I did, I did, where where I was reading, like, the critical articles, it says it's not, it kind of will give good quality English, but even that review there was sort of what, what anybody would say, a bog standard, well-written review. And so I was like, oh, okay. Of so, a book you haven't read. Of a book you haven't yeah. read, yeah. <laughs> um, so I was like, okay. And it's like, you know, so it's not able to capture sort of the richness of that, but it can do very rote, typical, predictable things. And all of a sudden I thought, oh my God, course book sentence writing. And so I started getting it to do sentences. Now, I as I haven't tried grading its language down to an eighth grader, but I do imagine a future where that kind of thing in the hands of a publisher who also has a word list tagged for whatever. So you just say, give me 10 words, 10 sentences at A1 level, present simple, negative, and uh, affirmative um, on the topic of homes. And all of a sudden, you'll get those 10 random sentences that 
Terry and, and I otherwise would write. <laughs> the Canadian goose comes Yes, in. exactly. Yeah, the Canadian goose <laughs> lives the whole in its family. Lair. Like, you know. But I suppose on the flip side, an interesting thing that you could do is some kind of genre analysis with the students mm. where you ask it to write, you know, five book reviews and the students have to notice what's similar, what's different about these. Yeah. Well, exactly, because I think what example. they would, more than what's similar and what's different, it's what's similar because I'm sure uh, by doing that book review, if you ask someone, mm -hmm. if you, if I asked for another positive book review or whatever, you would get the same structure of things. Mm -hmm. So I, I can see it being use, useful in that way of analyzing genres in like the typical genre. And then in that case, then I don't think it's the end of the English classroom as in terms of like English, mm -hmm. not just ESL, but English classroom, because, because a lot of what is good writing is sort of playing with genre and bending it a tiny bit and, and, and then the well, genre I think changes. This is the same as, as anything like when Google Translate came along and started to get really good. People were like, well, that's the end mm -hmm. of learning foreign languages. It isn't. You no. absorb it, you learn it in a different way. Yeah. And so these these things like ChatGPT, we we need to be aware of them as teachers and be aware that perhaps a student will come to us with a text that's been produced by it. But yes. we have that radar, we know what our students are and are capable of. And, and so I and yeah, I think also, yeah, I think also you can't, yeah, you're aware of what your students are. And so just in the same way where you'll suddenly your antenna will go up because you're like, I think they're using Google Translate for this because just their English level isn't good enough to be producing that. And I or, guess the, yeah. the fact that it's factually wrong yeah. is also like one huge big red flag. You know, mm -hmm. all you need to do is make sure that your question is actually targeting some facts in there that can be verified. And, and I think maybe it. it's, it's not always factually wrong, but it can mm. be. It can okay. be. Can okay. Be. Yeah. So you can't trust it to you be can't factually trust right. The facts that it produces. So the, the first time I heard about it, my boyfriend was talking about something he'd seen on Reddit where it was asking uh, some, the, the user was asking uh, ChatGPT, um, I think, what's the fastest marine mammal? And mm -hmm. ChatGPT said it was a peregrine falcon. Um, and then they went through a whole series of things about, okay, what's the definition of a mammal? Okay, returning to the earlier question, what's the fastest marine mammal? And it just kept getting it wrong. It kept coming back to peregrine falcon. Um, and it, so some things it will be factually incorrect, but some things it will get right. Yeah. And it, but it doesn't have access to the internet. So it can't, for example, draw on you know, it can't like look at Wikipedia and see what the latest information is added. I'm not saying Wikipedia is factually accurate all the time, but yeah. All right. Like, yeah. So if you, and also you can't, so you can't do that kind of the chatting with it. Like, Hey, so it's not like, I guess you would want to marry it with a Siri or, with Siri, or yeah. whatever. Yeah. So you could say, uh, what was the movie that won the Oscar? What year? And what was it about? And yeah. whatever. And then, okay. Yeah. So maybe to put a bow on all of this, maybe eventually <laughs> either it will dominate everything and we'll reach a singularity or whatever, or we'll be looking at a museum of wonky English from ChatGPT whenever we can get around to doing that. Yeah. And also, See, no, like I tried to put it all together with procrastinating. <laughs> But I think maybe also it could become like a really useful tool for teaching writing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So instead That's of, I don't think replacing thinking. teachers, replacing a certain <laughs> kind of materials writing, not the writer, yeah. but a yes. certain kind of materials writing. Yeah. 
but maybe maybe good riddance as well to that kind of writing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's take a, a final break and we'll come back for our last se section. And we're back and we're bringing back um, a section that we did in our first episode of this season where um, it was a section that we call English Teachers Ruin and then a bit of popular culture. And so at the beginning of our season, I think we all sat around and we ruined Harry Styles' song. And so as we're coming to the end of the year and the end of the season, I thought we could all gather around the fire, gather around the fireplace and ruin another icon of pop culture and pop music, um, Taylor Swift's Midnight's album, which um, I think is really good, but uh, is certainly out there in the ether. Everybody knows it. All, many of your students will know some of these songs. So today what we're going to do is the three of us are going to sit around and quote unquote ruin the song Antihero from the Midnight's album by Taylor Swift. Now, uh, when we say ruin, this means that we're just going to sit at it and um, pick apart different interesting bits of grammar, lexis, phonology, or whatever. Um, the idea from this came from when I was teacher training and um, had used a song with some trainee teachers who were just beginning to learn English grammar. And then they said, you've ruined the song for us now because now I can never hear this song without thinking that's a second conditional. This is a past <laughs> continuous and so on. So we're just taking that one step further. So I'll start off by reading to um, I've looked at this. Uh, Karen Sandy only looked at it just recently before. So we're going to put their English teacher abilities to the test and my own as well. I'll read you parts of it and then people will comment on uh, interesting Lexis, grammatical structures or phonology. So uh, here we go. First part is I'm not going to sing. Ruining it is also reading it. <laughs> so I, ha I have this thing where I get older, but just never wiser. Midnights become my afternoons. Anyone? Okay. Can I go? Yep. Yeah. I think I'd like to ruin this with the parallel structure. Oh, a parallel. <laughs> oh, is that is that I get older, but just never wiser? Is that the parallel structure there? Yeah, that's yep. right. And also, I think that you could argue that there's, there's a bit the of ellipsis. Yeah, yeah, but also the the parallel structure with the midnights and the afternoons. There's mm -hmm. an echo going on there as well of the plural nouns within yes. the same semantic group. So <laughs> oh, I'd say oh that... you're really ruining it. Good. This is good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I also um, I also like the the bit of language which is I have this thing. Yes. And I think twenty years ago maybe nobody would ever say, Oh, I have this thing where Yes, and, and I think it's also that choice of the uh, the relative clause introduced with where and not mm. which or that, right? Yeah. That I have this thing where, like we would never accept that from mm. students. Like I yeah. have this thing which, but the yeah. choice of uh, the where there. I also want to yeah. highlight here the use of midnights as a, uh, a time period in the same way that afternoons, mornings, but so yeah. midnights has become... Yeah. The parallelism there of the midnights and afternoons, that's, I guess, the poetic part of like the midnights has become a longer thing. Like okay. a period, yeah. Like a period of time, yeah. just like, yeah. okay, excellent. Let's keep going. When my depression works the graveyard shift, all of the people I've ghosted stand there in the room. 
there's another new bit of vocabulary people i've ghosted okay yeah. yes ghosted yeah. when you ghost someone it's like when you ignore them on uh on social media or whatever on yeah. messaging or social media yeah. okay yeah and then the, there's the idiom of course to work the graveyard shift. shift yes yeah and also an interesting use of my depression working the graveyard shift so it's again mm -hmm. kind of staying up all night but interesting yep. yes graveyard shift that coll idiomatic collocation there um mm -hmm. All right, let's keep going. I should not be left to my own devices. They come with prices and vices. I end up in crisis, tale as old as time. I'd like to pick up, okay, yeah, the uh, <laughs> phonology there of the, okay. um, the ES ending, which is actually pronounced as is. So you've got your prices, vices, devices, Christ, crisis. Crisis, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Anything um, else? Got you? Got any, uh, Sandy's got, shaking her head. Okay, no. I've got. I've got this one is wonderful. I think so boring. Homonyms. Oh, yeah. God, okay. Yeah. <laughs> How about spot the homonym? <laughs> homonyms. Hold on. It was tail. Yeah, devices. Tail. That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Devices as well. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I would also think... pick out the um the phrasal verb end up. And mm -hmm. also yes. the okay. uh, the verb pattern to be oh no actually more idiomatic well or the phrase fixed phrase yeah. left to semi fixed left to one's own devices yeah left yeah. to my own to your own to his own mm -hmm. to her own I also mm -hmm. have um, tale as old as time for me yes. is a Disney phrase and I'm having a mental block as to where I think it's I think it's from Beauty and the Beast um, oh it could tale be yes oh, yes yes yeah, yeah okay. Oh, so I think that's an interesting right. one um, because if you you know if she's talking about midnights as well, for example, that's, right. that's yeah, a fairy yeah. tale time. So there's lots it? of echoes oh, there. Yeah, echoes yeah, there. yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, we could make it very, very boring by just going for the as 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 well, yeah. and then oh, we that's could true. as old as time. We could spin out, as adjective. Yes. As good as gold. As, as, as good all right, as yeah. Night, okay, excellent. Let's keep going then. I wake up screaming from dreaming. One day I'll watch as you're leaving because you got tired of my scheming for the last time. Yeah, so got, mm -hmm. okay, yes, <laughs> I also think, yeah, that sort of the, um, the, the, I wake up ing plus ing, like I, mm -hmm. I get up singing, I wake up screaming, I, you know, uh, whatever it's the, the, that, that ing with that, with that verb there. Or that. Sandy, you had something else, no? Yeah. Yeah. You've also got two different kinds of time here. So we've got tail as old as time, as in time is passing. And for the last time, the last yeah. event, the last individual instance. Nice. Yes. Oh, yes. 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 Yeah. yeah. We also have the um, reduced form of because written out here as cause, cause, mm -hmm. although, and they put it as C-A-U-S-E in the version I found, but I presume it would be sometimes written cause, C-O-S, cause you got or tired of my skin. Or C-O-Z yeah. even, yeah. yes, could also yeah. be in there, yeah. Yeah. Anything else you want to pick out there? Yeah. Carrie, anything else we should note as English teachers? No, I don't think so. Not in that little All right. section. Let's go for the last part. And this is the part that always gets kind of clipped and used in, in different things. So it, it's me. Hi, I'm the problem. It's me. At tea time, everybody agrees. I'll stare directly at the sun, but never in the mirror. It must be exhausting, always rooting for the anti-hero. Okay, so I'd pick up it's me. 
First okay, of all, yeah, I think yeah. that's a classic. Yeah, that's the, a classic one. So, English teacher, let's ruin that one. We, oh, yeah. so not, many, it is I. <laughs> so many languages that do it the other way around. It's like, a, like I, yeah. I know French does it the same way, but I'm not yeah. aware of any other language that actually yeah. does the it's me thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, at tea time feels very, very English to me. Yeah. And and Taylor Swift is American. Yeah. So I find I find this idea of tea time to be quite interesting. I also don't quite understand the connection between tea time and midnights in this case. But I maybe think it's a, choice, yeah. Yeah. Maybe yes. it's midnight. She's it, on her own with her yeah, problems. Or is it also that at, at tea, tea time, time is like is, is is when everybody is sort of uh, discussing things politely. Mm. Everybody agrees when they're when they're discussing over uh, in polite conversation. Yeah. And she, she does have an English boyfriend now, doesn't she? As well, oh, so okay. that might be like you know that. There's the whole song about things that she loves about London. Ah, uh, now we're going, oh, okay. yes. And but using British, going in- British English instead of American English and that could kind be, of Could be, could be. I think also I'd pick up the uh, I'm the problem because there's also, there's a whole kind of like, you're the problem, I'm the problem, mm. I'm not mm-hmm. the problem, that's the problem. So there's a whole sort of uh, pronoun plus uh, verb to be plus the problem, like, there's yep. some interesting prepositions going on as well because we're staring at the sun, but we're not staring in the mirror. Oh, oh, oh the nice and ruining mirror. that part there. Nice, yeah. nice, yeah, excellent. Staring uh, direct. Yep. Sorry, yeah. Then I think this is there's the aisle from earlier I with was... the will, which is future. <laughs> sorry, yeah. yes. And then yes. the will, which is habits. Yes, and... exactly. Ooh. I was going to say that. Yeah. Also, if we're looking at uh, modals, we also have I should not be left to my own devices. Intrinsic use of should in terms of like uh, kind of obligations or advice. And then it must be exhausting, always rooting for mm-hmm. the antiheroes, the more extrinsic possibility related uh, mm-hmm. thing. Not not that's not um, must as an obligation. That's the other meaning of must. And we've also got these um, verbs being used as adjectives, I think, like exhaust, exhausting. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. And I think also we have here, and a spelling thing, we have the hyphen of anti-hero, where it's one of those words which I think is, you sometimes see it without the hyphen, you sometimes see it with, I remember reading somewhere that's like the compounding, it starts off with two separate words and the hyphen shows that when it's being used more and more, it's beginning to come together until the two words do join. Well, so yeah. Yeah. email was that. And so anti-hero mm-hmm. might be as it's slow. Cause I think even sometimes you see anti-hero written as one word. Yes. I've yeah. 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 Excellent. Well, do you think, I think we've ruined that song for a lot of people now. Think so. Take that into your English classes, teachers, <laughs> <laughs> and have fun with that. Uh, I think with that, I, we're coming to the end of our episode. Thanks very much, Sandy. Thanks, Kerry. Um, thank, Thanks, Lindsay. Thank Thanks, you. Lindsay. Yeah. Thank you, everybody, for listening. You can find our episodes at Podbean now um, to find our past episodes or check on our website, tefalcommute.com. Uh, thanks very much, everybody. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.